I watched The Bargain from 1914. And I had no real expectations at all when I started watching the film. I'd never heard of it before. I never heard of the star, William S. Hart. I knew nothing about it before I embarked on this Watch All the Movies project. But I saw it mentioned in a book about silent films I'd read years ago. And I added it to the list almost as an afterthought. And I'm not exaggerating when I say I was stunned by how great this movie is. I watched it, then I immediately watched it again. It was just, I loved it. I was expecting a really primitive Western, given that this film was made barely a decade after the very first Western, The Great Train Robbery, which is a film that wasn't the least bit compelling or sophisticated. And then when I add to the fact that I've seen a lot of older Westerns, but, you know, from the 30s, 40s, 50s, like much newer than this Western, and most of those were fairly straightforward films. Good guy, bad guy, predictable. And so I kind of expected this being a super old one would be like that even more so. And also, I should add in that most of, in fact, nearly all the movies I've watched so far, there's a couple exceptions, but you know where things are going. These are not super complex plots or twist endings. Like, you kind of know what's going to happen. So anyway, that's what I thought. I started watching this. It's it's a really short movie. It doesn't even last an hour. It's just under an hour long. And at the very beginning, it captured my attention because it opens with each actor dressed in formal attire, tuxedos and top outs, the whole thing. They step on stage, they bow to the audience, and in mid-bow, they're transformed into the character they're going to play in the movie. They rise up, they're in full Western regalia. Obviously, I don't make movies. I don't know a lot about the behind the scenes, and I may just be an especially gullible film goer. But I was shocked by how drastic the transformations were. Clean-shaven men rise up with scraggly beards. Young men suddenly appear old. It's a remarkable moment, and you really get to see just how much makeup and props could alter an actor's looks. Once the film got underway, initially it felt like just another Western, this time a Western set in Arizona. You've got Jim Stokes, known as the Two-Gun Man, because he uses two guns when he holds people up, and he robs a stagecoach with $1,000 in gold on board. And he's kind of clever. He puts these three hats on top of some shrubs up this hill, puts a pipe sticking out in front of each one. And so from the trail, it looks like there's these three bandits pointing guns down at the trail. So when he holds up the stagecoach, the guards surrender because they think there's four bandits, not just one. And once he gets the gold, he tells the victims to stand still for five minutes He yells up to his imaginary accomplices to shoot anyone who moves, and then he takes off. Eventually, the ruse is discovered, and they pursue him. And though he gets wounded by a gunshot, he escapes. He doesn't get that far, though, before he passes out from the wound. And then he's discovered by Phil Brent, who's a prospector who lives nearby. And Brent brings Stokes home and patches him up. 
Brent has a daughter, Nell, and she's also tending to Stokes. And of course, Stokes and Nell fall in love. Eventually, a traveling parson happens by and Brent enlists him to marry Jim and Nell. And of course, neither Nell nor her father have any idea who Stokes really is. Stokes vows to go straight. He looks around, he realizes he's happy, he's in love. He decides he's going to give the gold back. So he wraps it up and he writes the address of the bank that it was destined for before he stole it. And he heads into town to mail it. But once he's in town, before he can mail the gold, he's identified as the wanted man that he is, and he has to flee. So he heads for the Mexican border, and at one point he stops, he scribbles out this note for Nell, telling her, wait for him, and he puts it on his horse and sends the horse back to the Brent home, and he continues on foot, and he makes it to this border town. Most of the pursuers have given up, but the sheriff is still after him. And this is when the film takes this really unexpected turn. And I almost don't want to spoil it because now I have actual listeners. Like when I started this podcast, I wasn't expecting and I was just doing this for me so I'd remember these films. But I feel like now that I've got a bunch of subscribers, I should warn you. I pause and just implore you, watch the movie before listening to the end of this podcast. It's on Amazon Prime. You can rent it for two bucks. And I promise it'll be the best two bucks you spend this week. I don't want to oversell it. This is not like going to rival John Ford at his best. This is not a Sergio Leone film. And be wary, the quality of the print on Amazon is terrible. It skips, it jumps, it's blurry, it's faded with age, it's got scratches all over it. Uh, on the plus side, and this is a first for any of these old silence I've seen this far, it seems to have a soundtrack attached to it. Uh, most of these films have some kind of tinkly piano. There's always some kind of music going on. But this one actually has what sounds like a film soundtrack maybe from the 30s or 40s. I, I think probably at some point, once you could do these things, somebody took like a score from a film and combined it. I'm not sure. But anyway, it sounds way more modern, at least in the sense of the 1930s being more modern than 1914. But even that soundtrack is pretty warped and warbly, and it skips along too. So watch this with an open mind and realize you're seeing a film that was made 108 years ago and has been poorly preserved, and it's unrestored. But be glad it exists in any form. So rather than criticize its imperfections, be thankful we've got it. Now, go watch it and come back when you're immune to the spoilers. All right. You're back, I hope. You watched it. Wasn't that something? Wasn't that a great... Am I wrong? Maybe as I see more Westerns, as I go through this, I'll find others like this one. But I don't think I've ever seen a Western quite like this, and I did not expect such a morally ambiguous story from 1914. While watching it, I honestly had no idea who was going to win or lose, live or die, end up in jail, go free at the end of the film. I thought there was as much chance the sheriff would end up in jail as Stokes. I thought they might end up in a cell together when the sheriff... So what basically happens, and if you didn't watch it, here are the spoilers. The sheriff, once he's captured Stokes, recovers the money, ties up Stokes. Then he goes downstairs. They're staying in this like border town casino saloon hotel place. 
and he keeps eyeing the roulette wheel and he starts playing roulette he loses all his money and you we see he doesn't see it but the, the crooked wheel the dealer pushes a little button every time so he's guaranteed to lose once he loses all his money he starts betting the stolen gold and he loses all of that <laughs> so he goes back upstairs and he tells stokes I, i'm in worse trouble than you i just gambled and lost all the money and stokes laughs at him that laugh is i love the when william s hart laughs it's so genuine it's perfect and so then they make this they make it's called the bargain they make the bargain Stokes tells the sheriff, you know, give me an hour, I'll I'll get that gold back. He goes downstairs, puts on a mask, robs the casino, takes the gold, flees out of town, doubles back, comes back into town, takes off the mask, kicks off his coat, gets into bed, gives the sheriff the gold. He's like, yeah, I may have gotten a little extra. I don't know. He he actually got more than a thousand. And then when the people pursuing this bandit lose them they come back to check to make sure it wasn't stokes they told the sheriff oh we thought your guy might have got away and the sheriff is like nope he's been here the whole time and so then they leave and they they've got the gold and then some and so really the sheriff is at least as bad as stokes this feels like something you'd see in a spaghetti western or one of these 1960s counterculture hero I don't even know. This This seems so out of place for 1914. Anyway, at the end of the film, the sheriff feels a bond to Stokes. He tells Stokes, I'm going to give you a head start. So Stokes races back. He gets Nell. She hops on the horse and they make their way to the Mexican border. There's a great scene at the very end as they're riding off. They see the sheriff. They give him a wave. He gives them the wave. It's all clear. And everyone gets a happy ending. The sheriff goes home, returns the stolen gold. Stokes and Nell, they start a new life in Mexico. I was just all smiles for days. I told you, I watched it. I watched it a second time. And I was just, I've been thinking back to it ever since with just total admiration. This is now one of my favorite movies. In fact, I even bought a set of DVDs that includes this film and four other William S. Hart Westerns, which I've added to my list, and I'm going to watch them when the time comes. He's hugely talented, at least in this. hes I read about him. He's actually a big Western star, and he deserves it. He's great. J. Frank Burke is just as good as Sheriff Bud Walsh. The sheriff is really, he's just as important to this movie, and a, a worse actor wouldn't have carried it off. So both those guys, just they make this movie. I don't know that anything Hart did after this is ever going to be as good as this, at least to me, maybe because this was my entry point into his body of work, but this is really good. And I'm really curious to see what else he did. I mentioned above, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. You can also buy the DVD. It's part of a box set. I put a link in the article about the box set. I looked up some old reviews of this film written when it came out because I was very curious what people at the time thought of it i was wondering if they thought it was as unusual for the time as i think it might have been and i found variety november 13th 1914 which actually is before the film came out the film was in theaters december 3rd of that year variety described it as one of the best feature-length westerns ever shown and i agree with that they compared hart's performance to a Frederick Remington painting. So they they really dug it. But then there was this guy, 
W. Stephen Bush, who wrote in something called The Moving Picture World. He wrote on December 5th, so a couple days after it came out, and he didn't like it. He said, The bargain is nothing more than an old-fashioned western. I cannot truthfully say that it is one inch above the average of such pictures. But in the review, he makes it clear that he doesn't like the morality of the film. He really doesn't like, like when the sheriff gambles, he's like, sheriffs should not be gambling. He's totally against that. And I think that really colored his review. He also wrote this line that said, there can be no doubt, whatever, that a picture of this kind has a bad influence on youthful minds. So, yeah, it does seem that even at the time, people were kind of shocked by this. But the film, it even tries to cover its bases a little. The very final title card, at least from my point of view, it really addresses the concerns that critics like Bush had. And it reads kind of an optimistic point of view. It says, No star is lost once we have seen. We always may be what we might have been. There you have it. That's Stokes. He was not lost. He was able to become what he could have been. It just took him a while to get there. So that's The Bargain, which is definitely my favorite of the films I've seen so far. This is the 33rd film I've watched for this project. and It's the best one. It's my favorite so far. Next, I'm going to watch Cinderella from 1914, directed by James Kirkwood. 